Uh, good evening and uh, welcome along to this week's edition of Irish Whiskey Review Live. Uh, Marty, uh, zero, zero Guinness, zero, zero Guinness, is that a zero, zero? Not yet, Justin, not yet. We're, uh, we haven't, haven't located it, well, I'll tell a lie, I probably know where to get it, but uh, I, I, I just bought some yesterday and I didn't go for the zero, zero. <laughs> oh boy, you gotta laugh. It's supposed to taste fabulous, actually. Mm. I've, I've read a report that it tastes exactly the real thing. Okay, very good, so, very good. I, I, I'm actually, I, I'm duty interviewer, believe it or not, uh, somebody from it. But uh, we don't get, don't hear back until Monday. You know. Well, we'll put it like this: if they do, if they say to, you, if they bring some samples. Don't, don't be holding them on to, to just yourself, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I know, I know, I know. Well, uh, what's first this week then? Uh, because uh, it's 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 a really busy week this week, isn't it? It's just we've, we've been busy. We, we've started putting work into this, which <laughs> wasn't the intention when we first started. It seems to be taking up a bit more time, but for the good. No, we haven't, we haven't put that much work into it, have we? Yeah, we've done a bit. We've done a wee bit. Um, yeah, but we've been, we've been chatting across the pond. We've been chatting to people over in the grand old US of A. So, uh, okay, good. okay. Uh, uh, who are we going to be speaking to tonight? Then we are going to be speaking to a man called Michael Bloom. Who? Well, we'll tell you about it when we go through the news. So we're going to do the news. Uh, what's what's been happening in the world of whiskey? Not just Irish whiskey. In fact, very little Irish whiskey this week. Um, and it, there's always lots of stuff going on in the whiskey world. This is just stuff that I pick out that I think is either interesting or, or important or fun or a bit quirky or whatever. So that, that's that's why I pick these out. Okay. Okay. Well, what's what's first this week then? You know, first, Justin. Hang on. We have to go. We have to get all official. I th- we need to have like a. a, a, a more. I'm working on a jingle. I'm working on a jingle. Give me, give me a chance. What am I, a wizard or anything? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of wizard, uh, next week, Justin and I... Save save it for next week. Save it for next week. Save it for next week. Now, I don't even need to wear glasses. I don't know why I put these on. Now, first item on the news this week, Bacardi, the world's largest family-run spirit brand, has partnered with biodegradable products manufacturer Danny Mer Scientific, based in Georgia, USA, to replace its bottles with a plant-based polymer which degrades in 18 months. Now, it takes over 400 years for a plastic bottle to degrade, so this is a massive improvement. Uh, they make this plastic with... Uh, like cornstarch and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, obviously, it seems to they're wanting to cut down on their, their plastic use. In fact, they want to be 100% plastic free by 2030. Now, Bacardi own, and I know this is not whiskey, but Bacardi own Dewar's whiskey. Uh, but they also own Bombay Sapphire, Grey Goose Vodka. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Patreon Tequila, there's other stuff as well. Now, they currently use 80 million plastic bottles a year. And one of the things they're having problems with is, you know the plastic liner inside the caps? 
which is yeah. spirit and they keep the stock leaks. They say that that's quite a hard thing to replace with this new polymer. But once they have that perfected, they're going to grant the, the, the technology or the, the, the manufacturing process to everyone else. So they've said that this is not about having a competitive advantage. It's about doing away with, with plastic, yeah, which any anybody drives around any road pretty much anywhere. You see plastic just littering and it stays there basically forever unless someone picks it up. So Jean-Marc Lambert, who's the senior vice president, has said they will replace it and that the production process will be shared across all across the industry. Now, they plan to roll this out in 2023 and hopefully be plastic-free by 2030. Now, the Scotch Whiskey Association have a plan in action where they want to be uh, carbon neutral by 2045. Well, that's some achievement. That will be an achievement. Now, I said, As I said before, I said last week, it's very easy to be critical of big industry, but to try and fix the problems that there are with the environment and so on and so forth, really, big industry has to change its ways. And really, they're the only people who can kind of change on the big scale. So it has to be flagged up when they do good. You have to say that, you know, they've done good, you know. Absolutely. So what else have we got this week then? Now, whiskey to the rescue, Justin. Now, this gentleman... His sartorial elegance. Look, I mean, look at that for a sec. This is actually Doddy. It looks like Rob C. Nesbitt. <laughs> this is a man called Doddy Weir. But whiskey this week has come to the rescue in many ways because they've held charity auctions. There was a charity auction held by the Speyside Whiskey Auctions to help Murray residents affected financially by the, the pandemic. Now, whiskey was donated by the Rotary Club and sold by auction on their website. And they raised £2,240, which is to be commended. WB Liquors and Wine in El Paso are auctioning a flight of Pappy Van Winkle to benefit El Pasoans, it's very nice, El Pasoans Fighting Hunger Food Bank. Now, this is a flight of uh, Pappy Van Winkle, and bidding starts at $1,000. So you can imagine just how exclusive the stuff is there. But hosted by Whiskey Shop Auctions is an auction to raise money for Doddy Weir and his research into motor neuron disease. Uh, the My Name is Doddy Foundation will have the benefit of whiskey donated by lots of different people. This will be really, really exclusive stuff. Uh, they have single-cast bottlings of Talisker, Highland Park, Jura, uh, a 38-year-old bottle of Royal Salute. Uh, to the Worshipful, Worshipful Company of Liverymen have given two bottles of their master's cask. So there's two of only 200 bottles that were made. Now, Doddy is a former rugby international. Yes, uh, Michael Matthews is saying that Daddy Weir is a very special man, legend of the rugby field. There we go. Doddy, Doddy won the Helen Rawlinson uh, Award at the BBC Sports Personality of the Year last year uh, because he started this charity. He was diagnosed with motor neuron disease. Uh, he played 61 international. He won 61 caps for Scotland. Uh, and if you'd have seen him being on interviewed, he was having, having 
fun. He was joking. He was just a real character, a really nice guy. Um, so he's been raising this money. He's raised seven million pounds so far, which I think in in the, I think it's only been four years. So he's raised seven million. Now this auction, as I say, it's the concept of Scott Dickinson uh, from the marketing director of Loch Lomond uh, Whiskey, which that's why we that set up. Uh, so. This is available, I think it's possibly available now or very shortly. And if you have, you'll need to have deep pockets for this because it's to raise money for charity and people kind of like digging in. Uh, but these are very exclusive casks or, or bottlings, sorry. So a lot of single cask whiskies, etc. etc. So if you if you want to donate to Dodie Weir's charity or certainly help Dodie Weir's charity, go on to uh, the uh, Speyside Whiskey Auctions. Okay, so that's item number two. Now, item number three on the list, we're over to the States. Now, this is a bit of a David and Goliath fight. Jack Daniels has petitioned the US Supreme Court to stop an Arizona firm, firm from producing a dog toy that Jack Daniels... <laughs> The Jack Daniels attorneys say associates the Im its image of sophistication with juvenile bathroom humour. Now, VIP Products, who designed this rubber toy, rubber bottle, uh, in its silly squeakers range, uh, back in March, the US Court of Appeals ruled that the toys were expressive works which conveyed a humorous message. Judge Andrew Hurwitz said, the Bad Spaniels dog toy, although surely not the equivalent of the Mona Lisa is an expressive work of art. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a real bottle. That's that that that's a that's a, a rubber toy, is it? Yeah, rubber toy. We do. Now Jack Daniels have said because the court thought uh, notori notorious copying was funny, it held that the company had a First Amendment interest in confusing customers and they believing that Jack Daniels sponsored a dog toy. Spotlighting poop. <laughs> just, I mean, and also they must be selling these out really quick. It's the best advertising possible. <laughs> they, they do a range of these, and I, th I thought I would bring these up. So they do one called tail fleas. Uh, right. Uh, uh, is, is that one there? Is it that one there? Is it? Is that? Well, is, 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 there, is there another one? There, there it is there. Look at that there. It looks like Bailey's. It's Bailey's. Right. And then we've done, they've done another one, and that is Blamison's. Right. No, the the green bottle. What? The green bottle? Right. Oh, there it is. There it is there. Yeah, the, the green bottle is. There. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Basically, it's, it's a wee man farting and blaming it on the dog. And it's 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 uh, to highlight Jameson's, which I thought I thought was quite funny. I've been, I've been totally honest. It's it's madness. It's madness. I don't know where they come up with these ideas. You know, I've been taking this to the Supreme Court of the United States of America. <laughs> it's just it's just pathetic. Yeah, well, well, not not nothing surprises me about America. You know, <laughs> we're, we're going to get surprised tonight about American big style. Very sure. Right. Right. 
Well, you, you know, they're not they're not famous for this blending, are they? No, they're not. I'm going to, I haven't poured myself a whiskey yet, so I'm going to get myself a wee bit of brush. <laughs> All right. Now, item number four in this week's news. We have the Scotch Whiskey Association has released figures for the tourism industry and how the pandemic has affected it, which, as you can imagine, is not good. Okay. 2019, 2019 saw 2.16 million visits to distilleries and there's 68 visitor centres spending £85 million. Now, in the last five years, £200 million has been invested and this section of the whisky industry currently employs 1,400 people. Right? Now, at the minute, there is only a third of the 68 centres are open. Whoa. So, I mean, it's just being absolutely decimated. But, um, me and you, because we're both in the, in the tourism trade, we know how little visitors there is to anywhere, and obviously you can't travel about in certain places. So, yeah, we'll have to just wait and see what happens on the other side. But the Scotch Whiskey Association also has another fight on its hand. Last year, they, fa they, they face counterfeit and fake product because Scotch is... A protected characteristic, a, a geographical index product. So, in order to be of Scotch on your label, you have to be distilled and matured in Scotland. Now, there are some rogue elements about. Their legal team in the, the Scotch Whiskey Association received seventy-three thousand notices of trademark violations last year. Now, to give you an example, this is one of them. This was an article. <laughs> by Georgina Edkins in the uh, Scottish Mail on Sunday. <laughs> what they found was some people were just putting vodka in and putting food colouring in and calling it Scotch whisky. Uh, some were calling it uh, Isla Rye, which if anybody knows, they don't make rye whiskies in, in Isla. Uh, but then I thought this one was very good. Uh, true manhood. <laughs> wow. <laughs> It's just dramatic. Uh, True Manhood was released in Laos uh, and it has on it rich Scotch whiskey. Now, quite obviously, it's not. So this is the uh, this is the kind of fight that they have in hand. Now, Irish whiskey falls into the same uh, protection. So you'll start to see more of that now too. So I wonder, I wonder will we have a feminine version of this? You know, True ladyhood or womanhood, rather. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's a ridiculous name. I mean, who would? Can you imagine how how insecure you must be to sit down to a bottle of true manhood? It's just. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, let us know what you think of that. Remember to comment, like, and share. Uh, subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Facebook as well. Uh, yeah, uh, well, nothing would surprise me. Absolutely nothing to surprise me. Uh, so, is that the news for this week then, is it? Is that it? That's pretty much it, except our piece. I just wanted to say about a man in Chicago who we talked to during the week, uh, Mr. Michael Bloom. Uh, All right, I thought, I thought you were going to tell us about the uh, English whiskey as well. No? Later on? Oh, we'll tell you a little bit about the English whiskey later on. Uh, what we'll do is our friends over at the English Whiskey Society uh, had 
a very successful uh, festival last week. And it was a huge triumph. Uh, Matthew Wright from uh, The Right Stuff, which you know who I'm talking about on, on TV, he was kind of the host of it. He launched some of the things. Uh, they have said that there's still some boxes still left. So at the end of this, we'll post it onto the page. And if anybody wants to go and uh, you can buy a box and then you can sort of, you can play catch up. Like, uh, they made a cup. So, you know, you'd be all into that with your cocktails. Uh, so we'll post some of this stuff up after the show. Okay. All right. So now, uh Mr. Michael Bloom. Before we go, before we launch the video, because obviously there's a bit of a time delay um, with, with, with uh, Chicago, he, this man, what he did was he, he likes his whiskies, he likes his artisanal whiskies, and he made a blend. Now, blending uh, isn't a very common thing in the US. So, what he did was just as an experiment for himself, he put 10 milliliters of a whiskey from each of the 50 states in the US and Washington DC into a bottle and he he made it up for me as I said saying the piece it's kind of like an infinity bottle but it's it's been picked up and I think he's he's trying to get it to go commercially so yeah we talked to him during the week Justin and I here we go Marty, who's this guy tonight that we've got on? Justin, we, we've got get a special guest star. We have a Mr. Michael Bloom. Now, I, I was alerted to this story over the weekend uh, about a guy, a, just an ordinary whiskey enthusiast, who decided to put together an American blend. Now, remember we talked about infinity bottles, Justin, and putting in little bits of different things that you wanted, well, for me, putting in what I want to do just for memory. Me Memories of the past sort of thing, you know, keep keeping the spirit alive sort of thing, yeah. Exactly, Justin. But Michael's took it a little step further, and the great nation of the US of A, he's incorporated every state and he won bottle, and he won bottling. They want to know about that. that. That's pretty ingenious. Uh, it's, hold on, I read something about this, did I? But there's 51 states in this bottle, Michael, is there? <laughs> Only 50 states, but the, I also included Washington, D.C. in there. So it can confuse some people. <laughs> but yeah, we have our capital and the 50 states. All right. Is Puerto Rico in there yet? No? <laughs> not, not yet. They, they make some good rum in Puerto Rico, so I would actually love to someday do something that acknowledges the, the territories that we do not call states in the 50 states, such as American Samoa or Guam or uh, Puerto Rico. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty so, cool. So I'm sure Marty has lots of technical questions for you because blends aren't a thing in the States, are they? They aren't. That's a that's a good point. Um, we do have lots of blending that goes on within a distillery between barrels so that they can get consistent flavor. But mm -hmm. blends between distilleries are very far and few between. They're, 
or very few and far between even um the uh there's a couple they they tend to be done for special occasions um there's one that is done with uh some distilleries here in the midwest i'm i'm in chicago um it's called four kings a uh, very small distribution four different distilleries um and then uh barrel bourbon uh or barrel the company uh actually does lots of blends between maybe kentucky and tennessee bourbons together um but rarely do you see something that is a that it, that ever discloses all of the ingredients and also is between multiple uh different distilleries in different states how did you come about to do this because people a lot of people won't appreciate just how much work not an inconsiderable amount of expense would have been to to doing this you know once you start pricing up i know how expensive some whiskies can be and once you start doing this you know you've, it takes a lot of time and effort so why why did you do it give me an idea so um i've long been somebody who loved uh great flavors and i'll chase flavor before i chase something that is a collectible so my yeah. whiskeys are almost all open um, I also did uh, whiskey tasting dinners um, for a few years in a row as a fundraiser. And so those dinners would be eight courses of food paired with 18 whiskeys. They were a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and uh, the I wouldn't over pour, but what I did every year is that I'd had people would come back. So 18 whiskeys, three in a, years in a row, you got a lot of different whiskeys. And of course, those are people you don't want to repeat. Um, and you also uh, want to find something new and different. So in the US as the as the market and as the number of distilleries was growing um, here, I would, I've always loved the American craft uh, variations that you get. Um, I, a lot of people look at younger distilleries and say, oh, the, the whiskey might taste new or taste craft. Um, I actually understand that that's sometimes the case, but there are a great deal of mature, delicious, underknown whiskeys in this country. And so I started um, get, grabbing them when I was visiting those states. I would um, find those that had distribution in my area and, and try those. And I noticed that I had about 20 or so whiskeys on my shelf from different states. Now, at the same time, I had long been blending um, and you, kind of like what you said with infinity bottles. Um, I totally respect people who are playing with their whiskey. I, I think that's what more of us should do, right? It's not just, don't just make a cocktail out of your whiskey. Figure out what it needs and what it's missing, maybe from another whiskey, and blend them together and say, oh, that's so much better. I, I, so I've been doing that for a long time. And then I've been barrel aging that product too. And so what I realized is, wait, one of the most audacious things I can think about doing is going after the other 30 or so whiskeys first <laughs> to grab them and then to see if I can make a blend that's delicious from that. So it was kind of that big, hairy, audacious goal that was out in the distance that I decided to chase. Um, and that's basically what I did for about 18 months or so until in right in late February, before we were in the throes of COVID-19, my collection was complete and I couldn't wait. It wasn't couldn't wait to taste everything. It was, I couldn't wait to blend everything because from the beginning, it wasn't a goal of collect all 50 states. Oh goody, I can show them off. It was literally get them all so that I could actually blend them and see if combining 
that many different ingredients um, could actually lead to something delicious. Now, it didn't it didn't straight away lead to something delicious, did it? There was a few mistakes along the way. Um, absolutely uh, trial and error on the way, but you don't just pour uh, the full bottle anywhere and see how it works. So I started small and I will say that the first experiment was literally 10 milliliters of everything poured straight across uh, among the 51 bottles. So about a bottle is what it would lead, yield, a um, li little less than that. And it wasn't terrible. It was confused, it <laughs> was integrated. If you're a whiskey drinker, you'd be like, okay, I get some savory and I get some chocolate. I don't want a chocolate covered tomato. Why, yeah. why would I drink that? So so, um, so the goal was after you do that, I'm like, okay. Um, and I hadn't, I had blended before, but um, I took uh, notes on what each whiskey was going to give me in nose, palate, finish and mouthfeel. And yeah. then I tried draft number two. Um, and I ended up with a big, bold whiskey that I absolutely love. Um, but if you were ever good, but the, there are people out here in the world of whiskey who are like, I like the gentle whiskeys. I like the whiskeys that um, taste of grasses, like the lowland scotches, or the delicious and almost even delicate Irish whiskeys that are out there. Um, uh, and so the first blend I did certainly wouldn't have pleased people who chase after those kinds of whiskeys. So I've played and, and figured out, okay, now that I know the ingredients, how do I actually create something that is more what somebody who loves single malt would like, or more somebody who would chase after the spiciness of rye. And yeah. each, each example I have, um, I document everything, and if you go to 50stateblend.com, um, that's where I keep track of what I did for the different drafts. Yeah. Uh, each thing has everything in it, but different proportions, so it emphasizes different flavors. Yeah. Now, when, when you go across all the 50 states, you have rye whiskeys, you have uh, single malts, you have bourbons, you have Tennessee whiskey, you have all these different styles of whiskey including some that aren't even categorized uh, you know as, as, a, as in any real category so how, how, are, how did you how did you marry these up how did you how did you think did you set an end product this is what i want and aim for that or did you because you, you've got so many different pieces here you know to try and get them all to, to fit together so do, do either of you uh bake I worked as a baker for a little period of time. Okay. So bottom's there. So there are rules in baking, right? Um, that you just can't you just can't mess with because then whatever it is that you're baking will not rise or it'll be too hard or et cetera. Then if you do things like create a stir fry in your kitchen, you're allowed to mix things from India and Japan and the US and potatoes or whatever else all in one mix and it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Some people might look at what you created and go, I've never put those things together before, right? But there aren't necessarily rules um, that will make it fail. Sure. Now, when it comes to the, the malts, the bourbons, the rice, and the ones that don't fit any of those categories, um, even in infinity bottles, you find people say, I don't mix smoky things with 
really sweet things. And I see why, because the smoke can really take over if you're not careful. But in this blend, there are five or six whiskeys that have smoke in them. Only one of those is peated. That's the Westland from Washington State. But there's mesquite in the whiskey from uh, Texas and New Mexico and Arizona. And there's pecan and peach wood in the in the whiskey from Alabama. Um, so I was curious about how those would play. Um, and the truth is, is that when they balance, and they're only five or six out of 50, right? When they balance, they add exactly the kind of complexity that I, as a whiskey drinker, chase in whiskey. Um, the other ones, like the weird one, sorghum. Sorghum is essentially a very, something that you'd use, I'd, I'd heard of rums being made from sorghum and beers being made from sorghum, but not whiskey. But the New Jersey whiskey that I have in the blend is made from sorghum and it acts a lot like a rum. Now, I love rum and rye blended together. Um, I think the sweet and the spicy is awesome. So when I found a whiskey that actually could do that as a whiskey, I was kind of excited. Um, Yeah. And then there's not an oat, there's not an oat whiskey in this bunch this time. Uh, but I've blended with oat, and that leads mouth mouthfeel is really present in an oat whiskey, where it might not be so much in a rye or a bourbon. Yeah. Um, that means the weight that, or even the oiliness that you get, and that happens a lot more in scotches and even Irish whiskeys. Um, and I understand as I play, I'm like, why is this heavier? And then I do research. I'm like, because I'm not a distiller. It's like, oh, the small pot stills will actually give you more weight in mouthfeel. Okay which American distilleries have small pot stills. Okay. So let me figure out how to add those. So it wasn't just a, what can I get from this state? It was very much a, what new can it add and be different both to drink by itself, but also to see if it as a, as a full combination, if it can make something that nobody's ever had before. Yeah. I, I copied down the list of distillers, the bottlings that you have used. And we just, I mean, these are all small artisanal craft distilleries. I, I think possibly I've tasted two of these because mm-hmm. we just won't get these. Now, there's a, the, we, are, we talk about this massive renaissance in Irish whiskey. There's all these new distilleries coming on. But just by the paper, just by this bit of paper, you've nearly twice as many distilleries just in your bottle than we have in the whole country. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, no, I mean, there's, there's, I think, I, I don't know the exact number. I think 1,700. I, I read a Making I just, whiskey in the U.S. Yeah, it's an incredible number. Incredible. Right. Was there any standout uh, products that you came across in this quest? Any standard or outstanding? Outstanding products, ah. stand, standout ones. Sure. Of course. Um, So um, actually one of the things that made me fall, one of the distilleries that had me fall in love with craft whiskey is my local distillery and that's Koval. Um, A bottle right here. Um, The one that's in the blend is the Millet, um, which is unusual as well. All of the bottles for the whole 50 states are right behind me here. Um, The, um, the, Koval also um, worked with many other distilleries like Journeyman in Michigan, and I've always loved their their uh, rye. Uh, District Made in um, Washington, D.C. It's not only let me include a whiskey from 
DC, but it was literally a really good ride that that um, nobody around here knows about, and they don't they didn't have distribution anywhere near us. Um, Cole Keegan, which is right behind me here, um, is uh, from New Mexico. That's one of those whiskeys with some significant smoke in it, and it even has um, uh, apple brandy cask uh, fin finish right. to it. Okay. Um, talk about a unique whiskey, yeah. delicious on its own, and um, I think more people should have it on their shelves. Um, <laughs> Balcones is uh, is probably one that you might have seen. It's the it's one of the Texas uh, distilleries, and there's tons of great distilleries in texas now you know that one i'm sorry that's one of the ones i've tried i've tried the balcones got it yeah. yeah so the depth of flavor in a balcones especially because it ages in such hot temperatures um it 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 contributes something very different than what you get in the northern um distilleries that i have i really i really enjoy that one i will say that i was more generally impressed with the whiskeys from the west, the North Midwest, and um, yeah, the west and the North Midwest and, and the Colorado Rocky Mountain area than I was with the Northeast of the US. And I don't know why that is, but um, yeah, the it was hard to find whiskeys from Massachusetts and, and, uh, and, Others, other states there. Vermont even has Whistlepig, but Whistlepig, um, this is a great example of another rule I had for myself. Whistlepig's awesome, but they've sourced their whiskey from Alberta and, and other places until recently. And yeah. so until they had a whiskey that was distilled in their state and labeled as such, it wasn't going to be something I'd choose. Yeah. So finding another whiskey that would fit that bill was important. High West, another excellent uh, distillery in the U.S. They are making their own stuff. I've long been a fan of their Midwinter Night's Dram. Uh, I hope that's available over in Ireland. If it isn't, ask a U.S. friend to help you out there. Um, okay. But the, uh, <laughs> but the, uh, the thing is, they blend, the, they're master blenders. That's how they get to those products. But yeah. they've sourced until recently. And so Valley Tan um, is their own Utah distilled and made whiskey and that's what's in this blend and that's thanks to my brother who was traveling in utah and grabbed that for me so, yeah, really helpful so yeah um lots of stars and i will say this too even a couple of the whiskeys that by themselves didn't make a huge impression have grown on me in terms of what they can add to the blend so since you wouldn't necessarily have i'm a big fan of black pepper right I'm a big fan of hot and spicy things, okay. but you wouldn't necessarily have that by itself. You need it to be on something or with something. Oh, and so, yeah, so especially the unusual whiskeys, not your sweet bourbons or your just really easy quaffable rice, but the more unusual flavored ones yeah. um, have something to contribute when you blend them in the right way. Excellent. Now, I want to ask you a quick thing because we talked about this last week um it's whenever you mentioned texas i read an article last week about texas sort of forming its own almost regional uh, style of whiskey now with you having done the whole country 
are you are you beginning to see that a bit when you you know is there obviously the climate's going to play a huge part but when you were doing your research were you starting to notice that maybe certain areas are beginning to have certain styles that that are you know obviously the bourbon and tennis right i think that so my my quick answer is yes and by this time of the interview you know i don't give quick answers so um <laughs> <laughs> so the um quick answer is yes but i also have to uh, admit to a sampling error right I have one whiskey from each of the distilleries in the States. And yes, I have several whiskeys from some States and I've tasted through them. I know Colorado has uh, a lot of mm, similar characteristics to what Texas is doing because there's so many distillers there that yeah. they're kind of forming their own. Um, and that's a high altitude yeah. distilled whiskey at most cases. And it has some characteristics that come through with that, yeah. with those, just like the hot weather States. Um, I will also say I notice a lot of difference when the grains that are used are also like local grain, local whiskey, um, and it's also craft whiskey on top of that. Um, but I can't claim to be able to distinguish with the with the small sample I have that yeah. I can say, oh, these are all of the of, of the same, especially if I'm sometimes choosing a rye, sometimes a bourbon, and sometimes a single malt. But I do think that that's something people should be aware of. And I think that for people who are passionate about tasting whiskeys, forget about buying the whole bottle, that when we're able to go someplace and they have a bunch of whiskeys behind the bar, um, to try things from one region and say, do you sense something similar? I think that's the it, that's a fun way to taste and it's not chasing after that unicorn bottle. It's saying, I haven't tried something from here before. That, that's that's me down to tea. I I just want to try something new. And yeah. I, you know, you haven't tried something. I don't. I know loads of people who don't try different foods because well, why would I order that when I don't like it? Well, uh, you don't know unless you try it. Obviously, you just try it, and chances are you're going to probably be able to palate it. Um, other than that, right. It's it's interesting. I sometimes think of whiskey like I think of music. We know which bands that we like to listen to, right? But we listen to more that we kind of look forward to that new record from a band we like. Yeah, we might in, in, at a concert we might want them to play the classics we know and remember. So we'll 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 want that stuff too. But when we're really looking for something, we want to try something new yeah. with enough information so that we know that it might be worth like trying out. Right, exactly. You know, otherwise, all you would do is play the same eight tracks all the time. That's all you never play. You know? That's what my fourteen-year-old daughter does. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, no. But, uh, no, I, I look in this list, oh, I, and it's just—I mean, it's incredible. When you look, it's fifty-one states. It's all of this and all of this, essentially. Because it's just incredible, you know. And I take my hat off to you because the amount of the amount of work and research that goes on must have went into that is is impressive, very impressive. And the one thing about whiskey that maybe rum, maybe rum. One thing about whiskey is it does have that regionality. That this is very much people like saying this is a, a Texas whiskey, this is a New York whiskey, this is you know, this is Irish, this is Scotch. You don't really get that gender vodka or anything like that, you know, not really. So right. 
whenever you can turn around and put the the, the full the full stars and stripes on the ball, I mean, I, I can just see people in the US just going, "Wow, this is this is for us," you know. Well, thank you. Um, no, I, I I appreciate that, and I think that yes, it is something done on grand scale. I also think that um, there's a there's room for us to think about. Um, whiskey or our favorite spirits as not something that's sacrosanct and must be just enjoyed neat by itself, but to play with it a bit, um, to maybe develop a tradition of blending in a country that doesn't have it. Um, it exists in the places where it is culturally and everything else for a reason. Um, and I think we've seen a maturity of the distilleries uh, seen in the States to be able to have some really interesting stuff come from blending, especially yeah. since so many of our us enthusiasts are always looking for what's new behind the back bar, not for what's familiar. Yeah. And I know that that's like us driving the market, yeah. not what the big big boys are doing because they want a consistent product that that is always there that they can sell a million cases of. Um, and I get that. But when it comes to being a drinker, if you're looking, oh, that's a bottle I've never had before. And as long as it's not stupidly priced, I'm going to try it. Yeah. Um, that's true um, and, and i think the american market the american distilleries are i mean they are in their infancy i mean they really are a lot of them are just babies and, and yet it's such a huge market and such a huge potential that i'd love i'd love to be able to try some of the new stuff some of the the, 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 the warm weather different cask finish sort of New Mexico whiskeys, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think I think over a period of time, all this brown spirit, as they talk about, you know, the people are gonna start all the new sort of mezcals and tequilas and rums and all of this is all there's gonna be so much taste coming out. It's so many different expressions. And whiskey is just one of them really. Um, it just so happens to be that in Ireland we can we can grow agave and <laughs> we can grow desert plants. I, I was once asked uh, a tourist, me and Justin are guides, and I was once asked by a tourist, "Is that a local plant?" Now it was a cactus, and I said, <laughs> "I just uh, it's a cactus," and she said, "But is it a local cactus?" <laughs> I don't mean to take you, but you're in Ireland. <laughs> yeah. Listen, yeah. Michael, it's been fabulous having you on the show. Uh, listen, the, the, there's an entire series in this. I think it would be a, a sort of 170-part series uh, on uh, Netflix to cover all the distilleries in the States. We'll, we'll maybe have you back on at some point in the future, I think, but wish you all the best at 50stateblend.com. And I take my hat Well done. Congratulations. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much. Back in the room, Marty. Yeah, what a nice guy. What a nice guy. Well, that's what everybody's saying. Everybody's saying uh, he was a fantastic, love, lovely man. There you go. Uh, what was it? Somebody, somebody put it very, very politely. 
love his attitude. There you go. Love his attitude. That was it. That was the thing we like like to like to hear. Uh, certainly a very interesting man. I mean, there's a there's there's a fifty part serial in that. If if only Netflix would pick it up. If only Netflix would pick it up. Picks it up and gives us uh, uh, the, 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 what, what do you call that? The, the Grand Tour. Uh, Dermot Clarkson and the guys. Uh, they give them was it hundred forty million pound a year. <laughs> so if they do that, Justin, we'll, we'll be broadcasting from the Bahamas regularly. Uh, no, but I, I mean, what a brilliant concept. And can you imagine if he gets that bottled commercially, having it at airports, people flying home. Oh, we'll get more a wee present. There's a whiskey from every state in the US and what they see flying back to me. I think more power to him. I think he's a lovely guy. We we talk to him off camera and stuff and great idea. Uh, lovely guy. Uh, yeah, round of applause. The, the the list of distilleries is just it's just incredible. Um uh, Jersey Artisan Distillers, Santa Fe. Drink High West, uh, Balcones, Western Distillery, uh, Litchfield Distillery, The Painted Steve. I mean, there's just so many of them coming. So many of them coming. And it'll be great to get tasting them at some point, you know. But I, I brought out a whistle pig. It's, it's, it's the only one that he mentioned that I have. <laughs> But there is there is literally so many there. You can actually see on there. You can see them all there. All about the project on fifty stateblendcom There's this. Have a look at his bottle gallery. Where do you see this? You know, fifty one different whiskies. Look at these whiskies. And uh, like some it and down, and he you know he's wanting to share it, and he's quite obviously passionate. You know, a, a, a great find. You know, a really really nice guy. To Talk to and about, you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely incredible. The whole, the whole thing, the whole thing was totally, totally incredible and and and, and very awe-inspiring as well. Yeah. Because it, it really is one man's. Uh, this is a quest of a lifetime, almost, isn't it? I mean, just the amount of research and work they have done to get those. Because remember, over here we can go on to a website and just order whiskey and just have it delivered. I get it all the time. Um, but lots of states in the US don't do that. You're, I mean, you're not allowed to uh, send out, because let's be honest, uh, alcohol regulations in the US are an awful lot stricter than they are here. So to, to, to find the, the distillery, to, to get them, get them brought over, and 51 bottles of whiskey, well, I, 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 I considerably more than that, but the thing is, that's that's not going to be cheap either. By the time you take all that in, so and yeah, um, yeah, good on him. Uh, as I say, I wish him well with with getting it bottled, and uh, someday I hope they have a taste of it. You know. Now we've still got a, a bit to cover uh, tonight as well, uh, because you want to talk a bit about this blending for for, for a minute or two. We've we've talked about blending a few times, and. Um, Blending is, in many ways, I've said about this before, it's the, the art to the whole thing. You have you have the science of, of distilling, but blending is so complicated. It's, it's an art. Uh, 
there's two types of blending. You have uh, blending from the same distillery. Now, what they do is they do that in the distillery to get a consistent product. Uh, you, you to smooth out any variation in casks because if you think about it, we talked about it before. The aging process: a cask sitting in the sunlight will taste totally different from a cask sitting in in the shade. If you take it over 50, over ten years or three years or whatever, it'll just totally change. So within a distillery, they blend up the casks. Now the other type of blending. And remember, this makes up 90% of the Scotch whiskey market. And the reason I'm using the Scotch whiskey market is because it, it's the biggest. By, by I mean, who's this guy here? Is he, is he a master blender, is he? Yes, this man is Richard Patterson. Now, this week, Richard Patterson said he was moving from, well, not move, he's not leaving White and Mackay. He's going to, to uh, Wolf Craig Distillery, which is a new one that's being opened up in Stirling. Now, this man has 55 years as a master blender, master distiller slash blender. Wow. Yeah. His Twitter handle is at the nose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, here with me, just have to bow down because I have a book. This is his autobiography, which I, I have and I have read. A couple of times because it's fabulous. He knows he's, he's just his whiskey knowledge is just incredible. Well, when you work in the industry for that long, it's just of course you're going to know a huge amount about it. You know, um, this is what he says about blending whiskey. Now, this this book is it's a history of whiskey. It's a history of White and Mackay. It's a history of and obviously about him as well. He says, a blended whiskey is a work of art, composed from many inspirational sources. It is created with passion and integrity in the same way that a true masterpiece is painted. A work of fine art, like a memorable blend, can stir many emotions within the blender. Now, if you think about it, you have to make a product the same consistently, over and over and over again. But you're using different elements in it. So what he does is he classifies different whiskies into into um, any different. Are they light? Are they heavy? Are they you know this kind of thing? And obviously, it's much much more uh, difficult than that. But what he says is. As a blender working today, I view classifications from a slightly different perspective. In the first instance, I consider the character of blended whiskey required by the customer and to help me attain the desired body, I draw on my stocks of component malt whiskies, which I initially categorize as light, medium or heavy. The principal objective of the blender has to be consistency. I cannot stress this strongly enough. It is no use creating the finest blended whiskey today if you can't reproduce it tomorrow. The central tenant of blending is always with you and is echoed by many of my fellow blenders as it was by my father. I recall him saying, if you want respect in this world, be consistent in your character and be consistent in your blend. Um, 
So, as he says, you, you have this idea that there's lots of people with this idea that you just blend, you, you still your whiskey, put it in a cask, and after three years, five years, ten years, twenty years, it comes out really good. It might not. You, there's no way of going 100% precisely whether it's going to be good or not. Okay? So, so but you, I mean, what do you do if if you get it wrong? How do you how do you rectify it? I mean, your man Michael Bloom said he he had made a few mistakes a few times. You blend it. What you do is you might have a cask, one cask that's just not very good. Okay, but if you blend it with different green whiskies or different, it can go into some product and maybe dilute it away down. Remember. Every time you're going to, if it's not good, throwing it away is not really an option because it's a very expensive piece of, <laughs> you know, um, these things are, a barrel of whiskey is not cheap, so you're not going to get rid of it. So what you'll do is you'll incorporate it in over a period of time. But that's why there's no fixed recipe because you can't just add in, oh, we'll add in a thimbleful. You can't just say, oh, we'll add in a bit of this, and that, that's a recipe, and that's it, done. So it has to be gauged all the time, continuously, continuously adapted, and continuously worked on and looked at, etc., etc. Uh, so as he says, I would be first to admit that nobody becomes a master blender overnight. It takes years, and I am still discovering new nuances that continue ex to excite and motivate me. Now, this is a man... 55 years in the business and he says he's still being motivated and still finding new things i mean his his knowledge on whiskey is just incredible just incredible uh, there is a bit of um i want to say for people look down there's a bit of snobbery where people sort of look down on blended whiskey. Okay. People say single malts is really where it needs to be and blah, blah, blah. But remember, the vast majority of whiskey sold is blended whiskey. Single malts pretty much always are blended. Single casks aren't. But single malts only have to come from the same distillery, mm -hmm. not from the same cask. So you're still drinking a blend, albeit most of the time a single malt will have more flavour because it's just malted barley, but it's still a blend. Now, to look down on blended whiskey really doesn't do justice to the, to the blenders. This man does a 22-year-old a supreme blend. Now, in my opinion, any blend of this age and quality should be given due reverence. Classic age blends can reveal so many enticing hidden complexities. Yet many people who taste them feel they take a realistic time to explore their true meaning. I find this quite frustrating because I know what they are missing. There is often a problem of perception. After all, too many, too many, they are simply blends. And that's not really doing them justice, you know? So that's Richard Patterson. I would I would recommend this book for anybody who who likes whiskey. Um, get the book because the guy he's a bit of a legend. He's a keeper of the quick up in Scotland. Um, 
and he certainly knows his stuff. I would say Wolf Craig Distillery are paying him an awful lot of money to come on board. I, I, I would, I would imagine, imagine so. So, listen, uh, the the more you get into this whiskey thing, it's 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 almost like being hypnotized, isn't it? Or drunk. <laughs> you could become <laughs> you could become intoxicated with the whole thing, Justin. You know, <laughs> I mean, so much to it, so much um, fun and decent things and good things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So nice stories and interesting characters and interesting people and new stuff happening and so on and so forth. So, yeah. Oh, okay, uh, fantastic stuff. Believe it or not. Uh, that is an hour gone tonight, and we uh, we've hardly even had a chance to uh, uh, mention people. We've put all your mentions on screens. Thanks very much, everybody, uh, for uh, sort of getting in touch with us tonight. It, it's it's been pretty impressive. The number of one people. Of, Justin, I just have to say this. Uh, one of our regular viewers, Mr. Mark Kerr, uh, he posted up earlier on this week. I noticed. Uh, he is one of the guys who's doing a trial for the vaccine for COVID-19. <laughs> trial, guys. Can I just say thank you very much? Uh, I genuinely mean that, because the sooner we get a vaccine for this nonsense and get it over and done with, the better. So thank you very much, Mark. Thank you. Very, 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 very good. Very, very good. It's... Uh... It's uh, a great show. It is indeed a, a, a great show. It's uh, shaping up nicely. Uh, people mm -hmm. saying that, that they like the new stuff at, at the start of it as well. Uh, goodness knows what we'll be doing. We've sort of got a, a Halloween special next week, don't we? We do. Hopefully, hopefully uh, friend of the show and uh, chef Rob Curley might be putting in an appearance. And if you're grubbing me, might steal my dulce again. <laughs> 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 oh, boy that, that's it listen thanks a lot everybody thanks a lot patrick trevor michael uh frank uh mark uh julie uh uh who else uh in the list yule uh william uh, everybody that's got in touch with the night remember like comment and share tell your friends follow us on facebook and uh subscribe it doesn't cost anything on uh youtube as well uh there you go uh that's it catch you next week marty all the best all the best take care folks